0: Did you know it's really easy to clean a microwave? <laughs> no, really, you don't need like those sprays and all that stuff. Do you know how, how we do it?
1: Are you trying to reveal that I don't, I don't do the cleaning thing? I think they figured that they
0: figured that out by now, probably.
1: How how would they know?
0: Well, in the last three seconds, it was a long time ago.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: No, you take it. You take a bowl of of. Uh, Oh, water. I knew this with lemon. See, that's the thing. You don't even need a lemon. Oh. You don't. What do you do? You just a bowl of water. Three minutes, maybe, on high. Not that I know how to change a setting lower than high on microwave. If you know how to change a setting lower than high on microwave, you're just a cool person. I don't know how to do that. And it uh, boils for three minutes. And then that steam. You don't even need lemon.
1: But maybe the lemon makes it smell lemony-fresh.
0: Yeah, I don't think it does. I tried it. Maybe I didn't use enough lemon. Yeah, maybe. But uh, it's this stuff just comes right off the inside of the microwave. Can I do one more? Oh my gosh. No, this is the last one. I love okay. cleaning tips. Okay. Like, it's, it's my thing.
1: Mm-hmm. In go case ahead. you guys
0: are now cleaning, it's my thing. It's mm-hmm. a hobby.
1: And organization, um, and so technology. You put
0: the... Uh, the sp- those, and those, Home Chef. <laughs> okay, those sponges <laughs> get really gross, you know. Kitchen sinks. sponges. Oh yeah, you put those in the dishwasher. There we go. Put them in the dishwasher. It's amazing the things you can put in a dishwasher and a washing machine. You know what else you can put in a washing machine? What? Backpacks. Think of the last time you didn't wash your backpack. Gross the most. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Cleaning Gab. No, welcome to the Teaching Gab podcast, episode five for Thursday, November 8th, 2018, where we gab about the gap, the teaching gap. This is our space where we share teacher problems, and do our best to find some strong solutions. Here in the kitchen, I'm Dave Crumbine.
1: And right next to him, this is Aisha Crumbine.
0: In the last episode, we talked through solutions for how you can problem solve a low class average on a quiz or test grade. One quick follow-up from last week, I shouldn't say last week, last episode. Um, were the concept of tutoring examples. We talked about them inside of class, but what about if you can find that time outside of class? And a great one I wish I had learned earlier on is having students who you don't choose, but let them self-select those, find those strong kids who are really mastering the material and let them sign up to come to class during that ancillary time with permission, give all teachers heads up, Make sure it's okay. Don't frustrate anyone. And let those guys come in during one of those times or during lunch or some kind of place where you can do carve out a little bit of time and have them come in and be tutors. It's really effective to have seven kids who are lost and you've got like seven tutors to go on each kid while you go around sort of monitoring the whole thing and helping out wherever it's needed.
1: Oh, it's like speed dating but for tutoring.
0: Yes, it's a great way to say it reminder chapter titles so we figured out yeah we can't totally break up the chapters as we wanted to so you can just skip around so we're doing the next best thing for our show notes it will say the timestamps of when we're talking about what so feel free to skip ahead you just have to skip it sort of record player style you gotta (laughs) pick up the needle and move it forward (laughs) pick up the digital needle For our first topic, I have to say I'm super excited about this one.
1: But this is this is a this is a doozy. This so. one's
0: this one's going to be our our hardest one. Complicated, complex. Look at it from different angles. It's it's uh, it's a hot mess. But you know, teaching could be a hot mess. Listener Yahida writes in: the student has been struggling for some time and was supposed to be retained in second grade. But the mom somehow convinced the administration to move her on. So now she's in third. She's not really willing to work. She's failing even after numerous intervention strategies. And mom says it's because the teachers bully her. So it's all the teacher's fault. And student has three different teachers and they all see the same behaviors. but. The mom refuses to accept anything other than it is the teacher's fault. What wow. do you do? And uh, this, is, this is what makes it hard to go home at night knowing that this stuff weighs on you. I, I, I get excited about this question because we looked closely in episode two and three at student conflict resolution and this one is screaming out loud that we get to dive into adult conflict resolution and uh, unfortunately we can't do it the same way that would backfire but we certainly think that this is not something where the wheel has to be reinvented to all the way to a degree where there are books on negotiation. There are FBI negotiation tactics. It's like, wait, wait, what? So
1: FBI this negotiation This is what he tactics? reads in his spare time, y'all. <laughs> He's like, ooh, FBI negotiations, and how can I apply that to teaching and working with parents?
0: And it works. <laughs> it works. But to, to, to back up, if you can find just one middle ground with this parent, because there's probably zero middle ground right now, if you can find one single agreement to get on the same page with, it's going to take you miles it's not going to work in an email it's not going to work in a call and so you're left with a parent conference and it, it sounds intimidating and it sounds like oh my gosh what a nightmare the amount of room and decrease in stress motivation by the kids part like when a kid knows their parent is coming in if you can get everyone at the same table, there's a reason why world leaders sit down when things are falling apart. There's a reason why it works to have teachers and parents sit together.
1: But, you know, I think even before you get to that place, there has to be some... Like, you have to change your mind about what it's going to take to work with this parent, right? Like, when a parent has, has shown up in a way that feels like, oh, my God, here they come again, right? Or they they are always blaming the teachers or like there is just not a a strong positive partnership. There has to be at some point, somebody has to say the way we are going right now is not working. We have got to figure out what it is that is going to help us get this parent on board, right? And, and that can be hard. Like it can be hard um, knowing that somebody is coming with with their, with their fists up and ready to lash out at you. And then as a teacher saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to give this parent the benefit of the doubt that they really do want what is best for their son or their daughter. They just do not know how to get it.
0: It's so easy to forget that the parent has no interest in their child being miserable, no. going to school. There's no way. It, and we forget that we want the same thing. Yeah. Like we do. And how to achieve that want is where things get broken, but they really get broken when you forget as a teacher that they want it to work. Um, and that is where you have to start from.
1: Yeah. And sometimes I think it's easier to look at how a parent presents themselves and go, oh, uh uh-uh. uh, you know, they're bringing, they're crazy with them today and it is so much harder to say what they are presenting is not who they are at their core. It is not how much they care about their son or their daughter. It is not what they want for their child. So I'm not gonna look at how they're presenting. I'm gonna look at and believe that they want what's best and it's our job to figure out how to help them get that.
0: So moving to the solution. If you can get, you gotta get to the parents at the table. You know, One of the ways you can say that is, is, is to do that scary phone call. Hey, Ms. Smith, this is Ms. So-and-so, Mr. So-and-so. Um, I know it's been rocky. I know it's been tough. Do you mind if I just borrow you for a minute? Or maybe just go right to saying, may I borrow you for a minute while you're talking on the phone? And you're probably going to get a yes at that point. And at least there, you've already gotten movement towards something positive. We'd love to sit down with you to try to find a solution we know it hasn't been as you uh, hasn't been the experience you've been looking for. Um, I know it's been tough for you. It's been tough for us. Could we schedule a time that works for you? Um, these are sort of we have three different slots when our teachers are available. We'd love to sit down and chat with you to try to find some solutions. Could we could we talk that through? Do you have a minute to maybe look at your schedule?
1: And I think one thing that you are bringing up in your kind of play of that conversation is one you are you are saying like I actually value what you have to say in this conversation you're acknowledging that things have not gone the way that that they'd like and you're saying to them let's sit down to find a solution
0: and when you start with that versus starting with hey let's set up a parent conference or can we set up a parent conference like it's got I think immediately a, a fish shaking a finger wagging negative connotation could be interpreted from that when you're saying let's set a time to set up a parent conference so this way when you approach it as, hey, I know there's been a, pro- I know it's not been smooth sailing. However, you want to word that, um, but we really want to find a solution to sit down with you. Could we line up our calendars together? There's, there's only positive that's coming out of that. There's only healing and solution that's coming yeah. out of that, and uh, that can help to sort of get that, that piece out of the way. Um, I knew I always seemed to get lucky and have a parent that was really good. I'm sorry, a teacher on the team who would be phenomenal at getting parents to the door, getting them to the table. She felt really comfortable giving them a call. Um, and, I, and I was so thankful that she had that talent. So if you have someone on your team that feels comfortable picking up the phone, no matter who they're calling, um, enable that, that. That's a great thing to be able to use. This is exciting because we're almost at the end. And this is a good place to, to time out in the weeds and, and back up a, a few steps. If you can keep in mind, and I would actually write this, I would write this on the notes. I would, I would put these notes down, or almost like the title of my notes before the conference started, so I had a consistent reminder. And I would write down two things. Separate the people from the problem. Separate the people from the problem. And that would help me to put my energy... On the issue, and gave me a challenge that I enjoyed of trying to see could I unwind this problem and it was fascinating to watch I, I i remember going into one conference in particular, late because I was running late in another conference, and I could see you could feel the tension in the room you you could feel like the anger it wasn't working, you could see the the expressions on on the teacher's face, the expression on the parents' face, and I sat down and smiled and said. You know, tell me what's going on and talk to me. And, you know, I walked in with that real clear goal of trying to put a laser focus on the problem and not at all on on the parents that I know had had caused some gray hairs, I think, for the team. The second thing I would write down was a focus on, on the interest of what the parent wants, not the position. And, man, is that confusing. I'm going to say it again. Focus on what they are interested in accomplishing, not on it must be this way. And one of the classic examples of this comes um, from the negotiation book on the idea of two people being in a room and it's really hot. So what you're going to hear next is the template that, that we would follow to go from beginning to end when there are a lot of emotions, there's a lot of frustration it does come out of a wonderful book called Getting to Yes, Getting to Yes, as well as just articles on negotiation and, and, and in all seriousness, FBI negotiation as well. You know, if, if they're able to literally save someone's life, the same concept can be used to, be saved, to save a broken relationship, which is exactly what we have here. Step one would be when there are emotions, you have to realize that logic isn't going to work. Logic isn't going to be listened to. There's no point in trying to talk about student behavior what's happening with the kid on the choices they're making. You need to let the frustrated person start. <laughs> I get that the teacher might conceivably be the most frustrated in the situation, <laughs> but you have to not be. And you're the, you're the one that has to be as much the constant as possible let them own the floor. I'm telling you, if you've got an annoyed parent, which it sounds very clear in the scenario you do, they're going to want to talk. And that sort of takes the pressure off of you because you can let them own the beginning of the conversation. Whoever's the one that feels uh, the most frustrated, uh, let them go first. They, they have to get their emotions out on the table. And that's essentially your goal from the beginning. So I would say step one is let them own the floor. Let them own that conversation to to get it started. While it's happening, I cannot emphasize enough, step two, take notes. Because if you're staring and listening and even nodding the head and being a good listener, while someone is venting and they're just letting you have it and they're telling you all the reasons why the school or the teachers are horrible, it's hard to listen to that. And our body language reveals Ooh, the, the, faces, the, yeah, the right, faces. over 90% of what we communicate.
1: It's our body language.
0: is not the words. And if that's true, I would take notes to keep myself calm. And I think if I kept myself calm, I kept my body calm, I kept my facial expressions calm. You know, a funny thing happens, too, while you're taking notes, you're not writing on everything they're saying. You're putting down the bullet points of what are the things that they are exactly saying is wrong it's amazing to me how often a frustrated person is actually talking about so little yeah you're not going to end up with a list of 27 things you never will it'll be a list that will be a handful or less of things and a lot of repetition a lot of repeating things but this is, a, this is a person whose emotions have to be acknowledged by the teacher. Yeah. And that only happens if you close your mouth.
1: And give them the floor. And
0: give them the floor. And that, let, let's be clear, because this is step three. You cannot interrupt a single time. You're not evaluating. You're not disagreeing. And, and realize for your own sanity, because you're not disagreeing, it also means you're not agreeing. Just because you let someone talk, just because you let someone vent, doesn't mean you're agreeing with what they're saying. And that can give you a piece of sanity as well. I remember when I started this earlier on, before I knew this, I felt like if I didn't interrupt, (laughs) yeah, but if I didn't jump in, that I was somehow subconsciously telling them, I agree with you, but I don't agree with you. So I got to interrupt you and I got to tell you my opinion. Wow, was I wrong. And it's a lot easier to walk in these conversations realizing how effective it is if you just let them go in and and, and go at it. So that leads to the next step. Step four is how do you know when it's your turn? One of the greatest lines I ever read from a book that had like, it was one of those really small books, I'm not gonna remember, It's it's gonna bug me, I'm not gonna remember, but it's like these 30 great things you can do or even like book of 10 great things you can do as a person and it said, if you can breathe in and breathe out, and they haven't spoken, it's your turn. Awesome lesson to teach your students.
1: I think you'd do that with me.
0: Uh no comment. Plead the fifth. <laughs> and so Busted. <laughs> yes, I do use FBI negotiations on my wife, but you know what? They're really good. Okay. Uh, breathe in, breathe out, and You'd be surprised how y- it's really tricky to to do that because you'll take one. You're kind of like hurrying up the breaths. You want it to be your turn, and then they're going to keep going, and they're going to keep going. But it takes the pressure off of you because you're not having to feel like you have to move the conversation in a certain place if they're going to keep going. And by doing that, you're acknowledging to them that they're heard. At least step one of that before you actually give it back to them. It's also justifiable, or I should say it's really easy to justify that it's not fair for them to interrupt you when it finally becomes your turn. And if it's someone who's really annoyed, like you might have to kind of roll up the sleeves a little bit later in the conversation when it is finally your turn to talk, and we'll, we'll get to that. And, and then immediately you get interrupted, you're like, ma'am, like, I, I really did listen to you. And and all I ask is, is, is that you do the same for me. Like I didn't I didn't interrupt you. And that that's a pretty effective and fair thing to say. It's very difficult for someone to disagree with when, when they know they were heard. So now we're at the point where you're able to take the breath in and the breath out. And you're you you've done all the things you can to be a good listener. You know, nod the head, say maybe say, uh-huh. But it's your turn now to talk. This is where it's critical to give back the emotion that you heard. Because we're still not in the logical phase. If, if, if they're venting, if they're frustrated, you are a great listener. Even saying things like, I see, yes. Once they're done and it's your turn and you jump right to the logic and the choices this kid has made... You just lost all yeah. that ground. Because
1: you, you haven't acknowledged the hurt. Like Most of the time when parents come in and they're presenting as, as like angry, that is the presenting emotion. But there's something behind that. It is frustration. It is fear. It is uncertainty. And if you can name that for them, it's almost like saying, I see you. I see you beyond the frustration or the anger. Like, I see and I hear what it is that is worrying you. And just naming that almost gives them permission to put down the presenting emotion, to put down the. I don't think anybody's hearing me or listening to me and I have to strike out with my fist and I have to be loud and I have to be angry because nobody's listening. You've given them voice and by you calling it out and saying, you know what? It sounds like you are really scared that your daughter is going to fail and you don't know how to help her. Um, Or it sounds like you're really frustrated because you, you don't understand what you're supposed to do um, to help your child be successful. Like naming that is so important.
0: And there are times where it's tricky to know, is it frustration? Is it worry? And so you, you, you're you going to hope that they're going to give it back to you. Like you sound, you sound frustrated. Because I've had a parent say, no, I'm not frustrated. I mean, the tone of voice could reveal <laughs> otherwise. Um, but that's where you have to try to get as close as you can to get to saying something that they're going to agree with. Remember you have no common ground when this started and the overarching goal was find a a place where you can have common ground. And even getting to that in this point of the conversation is critical. They've expressed their, their thoughts. They've expressed their emotions, even with the body language. So being able to say you sound pretty frustrated or it doesn't seem fair something where they're going to nod their head that shows that you get it and you're not even talking the the specifics. You're not even talking the logic. You're trying to get to that emotional piece where there's a nodding of a head. Now, when you do that, if you can get it right, and it's a bit of a challenge for you in the good sense. It gives you something to try to figure out while this person is letting you have it. Um, can you figure it out? It's like a, a, that an interesting challenge for you rather than a a worry rather than a, a, an emotional worry.
1: But you um, know what this requires? It requires that you really listen. Yeah, you do have to really listen. Right, like it is not I'm just waiting on her to stop talking so I can say what I have to say. Like you you really have to shut down your brain and listen. You
0: have to shut down the judgment. You have
1: to shut down the judgment and this and is also listen. where those notes
0: help because as you're writing it down it lets yeah. you to, yeah. to really listen. Um, when you can get it right as close as you can of getting them to acknowledge that emotion that they're feeling, they're probably going to start again. They're probably going to then tell you more, even if it's repeating, because you kind of opened up that door for them to kind of keep going. So you just go back to the beginning of of the sense of, it is my turn to talk. Once I can take a breath in and breath out, and eventually the person's going to stop. It might seem like they're talking for two hours. No one's going to talk for two hours. And
1: you know what I will say? I would imagine that if I'm a teacher listening at this point, I'm going, who has time for that? Like, this is my planning period. I only have so much time for these parent-teacher conversations. I don't have time to listen to this woman just come in and blah, 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 blah. blah. Like, I don't have time for that. But this is one of those instances where you have to give something to get something substantial back, right? You, you are not going to make progress with this parent and with this student if you do not invest this time. So it's worth it. So you cannot do it, but you're going to continue to have those issues with that student and this parent in your class, and it's only going to frustrate you and frustrate your progress and disrupt your class. Um, so you just got to make the time
0: whatever you invest in this time, it's going to come back to you tenfold because you're going to be with the student the rest of the year. And you better believe that if you invest 45 minutes, you're going to get hours back of more sanity. If you invest 55 minutes, you're going to get hours back more insanity. You're going to get paid more than what you put out. Yeah. When it is then again, probably that second time for you to talk, that means you've gotten through the emotions and you've done really well. You've gotten to that huge part of it's on the table. They feel listened to. If 90% of communication is not words, then you've gotten to that point where you've told them indirectly, through that 90%, you have been heard. You can tell someone I'm listening to, but are you really listening? They're going to believe it if they see it, not if they hear you say those words. And you've gotten to that point on the emotional side. So now it's where... You've, you've given back to them how they're feeling. Now is your second huge challenge. Can you give back to them what they believe? And as if that's not challenging enough, if you can do this, you're going to hit a home run. It's something that people miss all the time in conflict resolution. Can you give back to them why they believe that? I will forever remember sitting with a teacher, and we wanted to teach this concept to our staff in a, in a PD, professional development meeting. So I said, all right, let's, let's choose something we don't agree with, we don't agree about. And use the framework, now there weren't emotions, we weren't angry at each other, so we were able to skip that part of it, but we were at this critical juncture of the logical side, right? And I said, all right, let's do it. I'm gonna figure out what you believe and why you believe it. <laughs> and so that we can like, understand the framework, the template, and then go teach that to our staff. Because when staff has adult-to-adult conflict, if they knew this template, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty effective um, for the culture side of our staff to be able to use that. And we we found the topic that we disagreed on. Don't even remember what it was. And I said, all right, you believe this, you believe X. And I was able to get that part. I was like, okay, good, I got it. And you believe it because... And then I paused and I thought... And then I realized I didn't actually know why she believed that, which was huge, because no wonder we're going to continue to disagree if I can't even understand why she thinks that. So I turned to her. I said, yeah, why do you think that? And it was so funny. She, she immediately goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I believe that because, um, um, well, uh, <laughs> and I just started laughing. She started laughing. And she did not know why that was her position. And I thought to myself, wow, I wonder how often that happens. I wonder how often we, we hold on to a position really tightly. And I want you to remember that word position because it's going to come up in a few minutes. We hold on to that position so tightly that sometimes we're not sure why. And no wonder it's going to be hard on a logical side when you don't to, to kind of back up what you think when you don't really know why you think it what's going to be left if you can't use logic what's left
1: emotion and
0: then the crazy. emotions and the crazy come out right because there isn't the logic behind it they don't they don't know their own why so to circle back that's where it's critical to be able to give back both to this person okay what language can you say what do you, what do you say to make that happen here's what i would one example let me see if i follow what you're telling me that would be a good start From your point of view, blank, blank, blank. You believe the way you see it is, or you bring up some really good points. I think all three of those are strong. Let me see if I follow what you're telling me. Or from your point of view, or you bring up some really good points. And then give it back to them. And remember, just because you give it back to them, something I wish someone told me before, it doesn't mean you agree with them. And when someone can give it back to them, and it sounds like you believe what they're saying, oh, the effectiveness of that, like the amount of real trust that starts to be built is huge because what is missing in this entire thing is trust. And by finding that middle ground, which is what you're starting to do in this this approach, you're starting to slowly build up trust, and that will carry you the rest of the school year.
1: You know, this brings me back to like, the ori- to like the original question, right? It's this parent convinced the administrators to move this student along, and there's this history of this parent having a tense relationship with teachers. Because it sounds like, over the past, nobody has gotten to this point, right? Like, nobody has gotten to the point of, I hear you, and let's build this relationship or this partnership based on trust that will allow us to really deal with things at the root so that we can have better, um, a better partnership and a better relationship and better outcomes for our children.
0: One of them closes the window the other guy uh, opens the window. All right, why, why are you... We've got to keep this window open, it's way too hot. No, 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 like you keep it you keep, you open and, and flies come in. They'll just keep it closed. Well, then I'm going to be too hot. And so the position, the concept of the position can be understood where one person's position is window closed, another position is window open. But if you can think of the interests they want instead of the position, you can make huge ground. So I guess the interest of the person who's hot is find a way to make it cool. The interest of the person who wants the window closed is, I don't want flies in here. And so there was a third person watching this disagreement and focused on their interests instead of their positions and opened up the door to the hallway. Breeze comes in. They both were able to get their interests met. And I I believe that when you have a parent that's irate ultimately they want their child to to do well. And and I think that's true obviously for the teachers as well. They just want the kid to do well. They're in there for the same reason. Um will I admit that that's sometimes not true. Yeah, and I've seen where that's not true and I would say it's, you know, 0.001% of the time and this is probably not 0.001% of the time. Um And if you can figure out what the interests are of the parent and the interests of the teacher, you might be able to find an option because that's the next step. The next step is trying to come up with as many options as possible, even to the point where you're inventing multiple options to try to meet the interests of the teachers and the interests of the parent. And talk about giving yourself a cool I and mean, I know it keeps coming up but it's like it's a cool challenge and when you're dealing with a lot of anger and a lot of frustration it's kinda nice to be able to step to the side and and look at this as sort of like a logical challenging um, dilemma in front of you instead of having just to work with people's emotions and so this is where you have to put the thinking cap on to the point where you've got a handful of different options that might work and of course, it just all depends on whatever the scenario is and whatever is not working. And then next step is is choose one where you want to, you both agree to give it a shot. You know what if what if we ended up doing blank, where it seems like yeah, but that's so easy. I could have done in the beginning. That's never gonna work. Well, you know why it would never have worked in the beginning, because he, she's not ready to listen to that. And frankly, maybe you weren't either, because the only thing that you guys could talk about the teacher side was this person's driving me crazy and the parent side is these teachers are all horrible people
1: and they're not listening to me and they're not
0: listening to me and
1: they're out for my kid
0: and boy did you just prove that you listened so you solved that you start building up some trust and this is where you finally got to the 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 crux the the thing that's going to shift this it took all that work uh abraham lincoln if i'm going to cut down a tree and I've got three hours, I'm going to butcher this, so my apologies, Doing this off the top of my head. I've got three hours to cut down a tree, I'm going to sharpen the axe for two and a half hours. Yeah. And you just sharpened the axe for two and a half hours. And this is the part where you get to cut down the tree, so you can't say, oh, I could have done this before. What, you're just saying, come up with multiple options? Why'd why I have to waste my time on all the other stuff? Because your axe wasn't sharp.
1: Hmm. Finger snaps.
0: And that the only progress you're going to make with that parent is if they trust you. And, and frankly, when they're kind of nodding their head and they're coming down off of their, their emotional jets, uh, it makes you kind of want to work with them more too. And you worked hard to get to this point. Use that to your advantage. And so now you're at the point where you've got the multiple options. Choose one that you guys both want to try. Um, and then go from there and give it a shot. Huge side note. Make sure when you've when you've got to this point where there's a little bit more of a consensus feel and what if we try this? Okay, you don't like that option. What if we try this one? Remember, you had a few different solutions. Don't let the person leave the meeting, the parent leave, without scheduling the next follow-up conference. It shows you care. It shows you're trying to stick with this to the end. And... I always I called uh, was I called Apple one time they got such great customer service and I, I was led to a supervisor on an issue and he said something that I'll, I'll use forever whenever I'm trying to work with someone he said you know I'm, I'm sorry you've dealt with this struggle um, I'll be the one to stick with you until we fix it and just that simple line is really powerful And when you turn to a parent and you say hey before I forget let's schedule up the follow up conference four days later six, seven days later whatever to see how it's going if it's going great, it's going to be a short conference. If it's not going so well, we can try a different solution. We can go on a different a different path. We don't want to miss coming back to Yahida's question. Thank you, Yahida, for sending that in. And you're in a situation where we are essentially assuming that administration um, would either join you in a parent conference with the mom, or they've kind of left it on your shoulders. Unfortunately, we all know that can happen. You know it, We spent a lot of time in this episode on the idea of having that conference be effective and and negotiation and, and working through that adult conflict. If that option works fantastic, it just seems like it's begging for that as an answer and didn't want to forget and not come back to your question. Because the conference time is where you really can get into the nitty gritty and get people to reconnect when that relationship is broken um, and that certainly seems like a very strong and smart first option you So us I'd probably go with that one so let's say you try all of that to the best of your ability and and it doesn't work it just all just seems to fizzle and not work you definitely gave it your best shot and you are using stuff that again like professional negotiators use with high you know to, to, with a high rate of effectiveness you increase the probability to tr- just show that you cared and, and you gave it your best shot. And I think that's ultimately all you can do. I think I, one of the mistakes I wish I had learned earlier on was like, I I would put pressure on myself and, and not be very forgiving myself to think that I had to fix every problem. Nothing could ever remain. And you're certainly going to make progress in that meeting to some degree, even if you don't get as far as you want. I think you will get incredibly far if you use that template. It's so it's research driven. It's been used uh, time and time again in, in tricky situations, but again, you're certainly going to making progress. If you would like a copy of that template, please feel free to email us. Our contact information is there. But I guess now is a good time. Yeah. Teaching gab, gab g isn't good. A is in
1: apple. apple B is in banana.
0: Banana. <laughs> Teaching gab at gmail dot com or give us a call. At, oh my gosh, I think I totally forgot our phone number. Does anyone know our phone number? 832 (laughs) 819
1: 5166.
0: 832 819 5166. That probably sounds really annoying. All right. Yeah, no, reach us, we'd be glad. And remember, your calls, your emails drive, you know, have the potential to drive the topics we talk about in the future. So please do reach out to us. There is so much information that is thrown at us daily. One of the things that we have to keep track of or feel that need to keep track of, and and it is a good idea, is all of that information about the kids and the choices they make and who's working hard and who's not. But when you have over a hundred kids. Trying to keep track of all that is is really hard, and I think a pretty common thing that teachers need to do is find a system to manage who is making what quality choices. And when I first started teaching, it was all paper, and now it's 2018, and and one of the largest thing teachers rely on is still paper. This is an old concept. You You have that vision of the teacher on the blackboard writing down names of the kids doing well or the kin names of the the kids who are making mistakes oh that's two times you're gonna miss recess I realized that the paper side was just not a realistic way to go and that what really needed to happen was some kind of digital version well with with spreadsheets and then particular Google spreadsheets makes it so easy to share so then that became a no-brainer like oh we could create a, a Google sheet and have a new one each week so we set up a system where by day um, we could type in, oh, okay, well, so Johnny missed turning in his homework and Juan might need to fix his math. All the way to, well, this student wasn't so nice to this other kid. And then when, of course, that kid is being nicer, you can refer back to that documentation and say, hey, I'm proud of you. You're starting to, to figure that out. And, and as an asterisk here before going deeper into this and, and the timeline of how things changed, Realize that no matter what the documentation system is, it's critical that it, be, it stays, it starts, and, and remains as a documentation system. You cannot rely on whether digital or paper, any type of documentation system, to be the tool. It's got to stay as documentation. I think one of the easiest crutches we can fall upon because we're just looking for as much help as we can get as teachers is believing that, well, and I say, oh, I'm writing this down. You're, you're in trouble now. I think that's no different from really probably the ineffectiveness of a blackboard system or dry erase board system. Hey, you're not, you're not you're talking out of turn. Let me write that down. As it is to put that in, a, in something digital or, or even on papers, believing that because the student knows you're writing it down, that becomes the management system. Don't go down that road. I think it's easy to. I think more importantly is use it as as a documentation system to be aware of what's going on because you don't want to hold it all in your head. I was in a cafeteria. They had extra ice cream from some event, and the worker walked in, the person who's managing the cafeteria walked in and said, all right, we've got extra ice cream, so line up. And I thought, oh my gosh, what a lost opportunity. Line up, like, of course, what happened next? Of course, the kids were screaming. Of course, the kids were loud. Of course, they were pretending not to run as they do that fast walk with their legs. And that was the opportunity where the the worker could have said, all right, let's see who's got the cleanest table. Let's see who in, in the cafeteria or which table or which even better, like which student, like what a great chance to recognize Students by name, Samantha, love how you're eating quietly because that's the time when kids get loud in the cafeteria. I always say, if you want to know the culture of a school, walk the hallways during passing time and go to the cafeteria. That's where you're going to get a feel for what level of expectation at the loosest parts is going to be a reflection of a lot of the culture at the part where teachers are monitoring everything that's happening. In that cafeteria, what a cool place to be able to recognize kids that are are doing well and let them line up first. What a great opportunity to to teach the gentlemen to be gentlemen. And not everyone's gonna agree with all of these pieces, but they certainly have shown to be effective in the past and saying things like, All right, gentlemen, I would even do it sarcastically, gentlemen, thank you so much for being gentlemen. Ladies line up. And you know, they, they the eyes roll and they grumble at first, but when it becomes the idea of what it what does it mean to be a gentleman is something that's not really talked about very often it's a chance to teach that i think to the boys no matter what their age and so using something of that sense of earning even down to no documentation nothing needed just here's an opportunity use it but in on the day-to-day basis in the classroom there's so many things that are happening that it's important to be able to recognize and i would say as as provocative as it sounds to be able to numerically recognize where are your rock stars who are the kids that might not be as noticed as other kids because they're not making a scene because they're not being sort of putting themselves out make sure you know i'm here but they're working really hard and i think that's a chance to know who those kids are as much as the ones that Um, are struggling, the ones that do need more guidance than the others to to become better people, to make better choices. And the only way you can do that is you kind of document to be able to turn to that student and say, like, you know, you've talked out of turn like seven times this week when the teacher is trying to teach a lesson. Let's talk about that. And if you've got that documentation, it, it gives you that opportunity to start that conversation. So back to this path paper. Google Sheets. There's, this is kind of a pain. Like, what is what else is out there? And thank goodness someone referred me to an amazing app called Live School. Here was finally a product where I didn't have to kind of hack the paper system. I didn't have to figure out a way to take my, my Google Sheets as powerful as they are and, and have to like manipulate the paper to make it work digitally. Like this was an app that was designed by a former teacher, if you could get a link so the kids can see how they're doing at any point during the day. I'd have kids in class where there was a downtime of three minutes, and they would ask, can I go on and see how I'm doing this week, just to kind of check in on the status. Parents have a link so they can see how the kids are doing. I'd have a, a kid go home, and let's, let's take, you know, the example of talking at a turn, and parent would say, like, oh, I noticed you talked that turn of math today. Like, what's going on? And the kids are thinking, wait, how did you know that? I just got home. And I think that idea of having that live update is really powerful, but it makes the system just great. Tailor it to what you need. We'd use it, you know, for, for earning trips, for earning shirts, For the kids that that got, one of my favorites is eating out lunch uh, outside. It's a beautiful day. Who's been working the hardest this week? Recognize that every Friday. And don't make a mistake by trying to recognize that off your memory, but like literally just have the report run from live school. And it would say, hey, it would show you who are the kids that are are making the strongest choices. The system as well uh, allows you some type of point system or money system or anything where The kids who are consistently going above and beyond making good choices, you want to reward that. Um, They can have their own little personal bank account to spend on whatever you want. Um, And I would have kids also use passes to say, okay, well, I have earned X number of points from just doing well. Um, Can I use this to to buy a pass to eat outside with my friend? So I just want to thank Live School for being a sponsor of the show. We talk about the idea of managing the information that gets thrown at you as a teacher. One of the biggest ones by far is managing the awareness of how your kids are doing and the choices they're making, which I think is critical in any age. And Live School allows you to be able to do that so succinctly, so clearly. So check them out. Even if it becomes something you have as a wish list that your school does down the line, a big part of where administration gets their ideas is from the needs the teachers have and, and share that with your administration. This looks like something that could be something we could benefit from, and the website is yliveschool.com, y-w-h-y live, l-i-v-e, school.com, that are just trying to make it easier on teachers' lives on a daily basis. If you do reach out to them, let them know you um, heard about them from The Teaching Gap.